So Sam, we've recently just found out that we both have a hobby that we love, reading. What's next to your bedside table at the moment? I'm reading Tim Winton's memoir, The Boy Behind the Curtain. I'm halfway through. There you go, there you go. That's, is it good? It's really good. What's the bit that got me? I think I read, when I read Tim Winton's novels and his memoirs, I feel like I've totally underperformed as an Australian. Because <laughs> here's his Aussie, Tim Winton, yeah, yeah. who can surf, he can swim, he can navigate the beach, he can recognise coral and sea life, he's swum with whales, he can wow. set up a tent, he can camp, he can start a fire. As an Asian Australian, I would die if you put me in my backyard for one night in a tent. <laughs> I would die of exposure. Tim Winton just, well, he makes me feel un-Australian. Yeah, I know. I, I'm not really much into Australiana. Um, the only real Australiana I've read, well, I don't know if you can call it real Australiana, it's Jasper Jones. Um, have you heard of Jasper Jones? No, so we're doing a podcast on books and we're feeling Sam Wayne is way overqualified because he actually works and runs a bookstore. I'm Sam Chan and up until now I've had the imposter syndrome and it's just been revealed. People actually think I read a lot, write a lot. I, 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 I read comic books. I read magazines. Books. There you go. Oh, well, I did as a kid until my Asian mum thought it would ruin my English and <laughs> threw away all my comic books. Oh, no. And many Christians back then thought they were evil and satanic. So I think I probably had a bit of that as well. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, so yes, I do read. Nowhere near, but here's a funny thing, thing about books. Normally we say my hobby is trains. Everyone rolls their eyes. Oh, what a nerd. Or my hobby is brewing. Everyone goes, oh, okay, hipster, wally. <laughs> but when you say books, everyone has this guilty feeling like, oh, I should, I, be, doing I should be reading more yeah. books than what I am. But Sam, you read more books than any one of us. So what's on your bedside table? Well, and don't ask me if I've read it, because <laughs> I can guarantee you there's a 99% chance the answer is no. And it's not even no, but I plan to. It's no, uh, I have not heard yeah. of that book. So, so me, strangely enough, I'm actually quite a... Um, I read quickly, but I have a very short attention span. So I read several books at the one time. Not at the one time, but, but at the one time. So at the moment, I'm reading... Well, my housemate has stolen it off me. But Julia Gillard's My Story... Um, about her three years as a Prime Minister. I'm reading, um, I think, a diary of a bookseller, which is about this English bloke who buys a bookstore in Scotland and it's his journal entries for a, a couple of years. It's, it's one of the most hilarious things because I, I work for a bookseller as well. And just um, the, the illustrations that he gives of customers who come in and... Um, uh, sometimes so spot on and so funny to read as well. I'm reading The Faith of Queen Elizabeth, which is a really, really interesting book because um, Queen Elizabeth um, is known for her stoicness. Like, you, you can't tell much from her addresses nor from her public images, but here's a book that explores her faith. Um, and it begins with her actually arriving at a script as at the 100 year anniversary of scripture union 
um, in Britain, which is a which is an organisation that she supports, um, and a couple of other ones as well. Oh, so this is Queen Elizabeth II. Queen Elizabeth II, yes, oh, yes, right. so, yeah, 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 Her, the current queen. I see that's fascinating. So me being the cynical, sceptical Asian Australian, I've always pictured English royalty as, oh, I'm the head of the Church of England. I just got to put on a brave public face, but deep down, I don't believe any of this stuff. But what are you finding from the book? Well, it's it's just, you know, obviously the author hasn't doesn't know Queen Elizabeth truly, uh, like face to face, and but. But I'm finding it that it's it's really encouraging to see that deep down, at least from what she has has um, discovered, is that there is a real true faith in Queen Elizabeth. Um, whether or not that's passed down to her kids uh, is another question. But there is a true enduring faith um, that she... I think I can say she really believes that her duty is given to her by God and not in the sense of given to her by God so that she can domineer over everyone, but given to her by God so that she can rule in a way that is, uh, shows God's rule. And yeah. Now I was in the USA in the two thousands when these giant, massive two, three-story bookstores started opening. Yes, yes. Barnes and Nobles and others. And you could walk in there. They had lounges. You could read magazines. You could pull any book off the shelf and read it and leave it without buying. Yeah. You had coffee shops there. So people camped there all day. It became a a hub, a meeting place. But no one bought any books. No, And I used to think, how... This is an amazing business model. How is this going to work? And yeah, of course it didn't. They've all gone bust. I They've know. all disappeared. So what is the role of a bookstore now? Well, I, I don't know the role of a book, every bookstore, but for our bookstore at least. So you're in a tiny little We're boutique a, yeah, yeah, artisan Yeah, so I'm at the Little Lost bookstore. Bookshop uh, up in Katoomba, and we do a Christian site as well. Our... our I think mantra at least is to be the small bookstore to people all across Australia where to where we have a curated set of books we're able to help people find the right book that they're looking for and we're also there when we gain the trust of our clients um, we're also there to challenge them in their reading so when I was doing a bookstore in dementia, for the International Dementia and Spirituality last year, half my books were dementia books, but half of them were picture books and poetry books. And so many people actually bought a lot of those books because I was engaging them uh, with them as a reader and going, well, you really like this idea of dementia. Have you thought about this particular book? Have you thought about this particular book? This poetry book, uh, say like um, uh, Mary Oliver's poems, uh, which I have everywhere that I go to, um, is just delves into humanity so well. Have you thought about reading this book? Yeah. Wow. So, again, just explain to me how it all works. I look at a bookstore and you guys sell maybe two books for the whole day. 
Whereas oh, a coffee store that. is just flying cups of coffee out. <laughs> choo, 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 yeah, yeah. Pie turnover. Yeah. How do you guys pay the rent? I don't. I don't know. You have to ask my boss. <laughs> okay. But I think it is. It is. It is. It's. It's looking at it in the long run. You know, it's investing into people's lives and knowing that. Hopefully they'll come back to us instead of Book Depository or Booktopia, the, the big conglomerates. Hopefully they will really cherish the relationships. That's what I love about my boss, Carl, is that he moved to Katoomba, started this uh, bookstore with this real purpose of really wanting to just engage with the locals. And so, you know, in Katoomba, um, there are wizards and mages and all that. And so he has these people come in and he'll recommend books and when they want books to be stocked, he'll put them on stock and he's got a piano upstairs that people come in and play the piano. He's got a little bit for, for breastfeeding. It's a breastfeeding safe place. So he's really engaging in a local way, the clients, and treating them as if they're part of the village and he's part of the scene. And we do that at a trying to do that on an online level as well. Yeah, so you're functioning as a village hub. That's right. So it's interesting, the more and more, say, churches are being removed, and even, you know, schools are being removed. Yeah. The bookstore becomes the village that's hub. That's right, that's right. And so I'm always emailing my... I've got a... It's, it's very strange saying client base, but it is a client base. I'm always emailing my personal client base um associated with the bookstore and going, hey, I've read this, uh, consider thinking about it. Or And, and they'll, they'll usually, because I've struck up that relationship, they'll actually respect the things that I um, engage with them. Yeah. So my wife, she loves buying books. Yes. She buys maybe 20 or 30 well. books a year, yes, but yes. she can never read yes, any one of them. Yes. And it's not because she can't read, but it's actually not her preferred Yes. learning style she yeah, wants yeah. to read but she can't so yeah. i don't know where what yeah, would you say yeah well i think there's several of like the easy approach is audiobooks but the thing with like i've got a book here which you probably can't see listeners but you can see i've got these tabs i highlight things i desecrate my books um but um the thing with audiobooks is that you can't. You can put little sign markers, but they wash over you. The good thing about a physical book is that you can go back to it over and over and over again, and you can highlight it. And you can once you've hi I remember thinking once, picking up an old book that I've highlighting, highlighted, opening up and going, why did I highlight these things? <laughs> <laughs> I'm highlighting the things that aren't really the most important points. And so there I am having a dialogue with my older self. And I think it's, 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 it's part of the posture that we've taken in 21st century of quick fixes, you know, of the one minute YouTube video. You've got to get everyone at the 30 seconds or the one minute or else people aren't hooked on. Uh, and developing, I think, people and culture of people who don't sit down and read and invest. But what, So I think audiobooks are great as an entry point, 
but audiobooks are also unhelpful because they just let you wash over things. So it's a matter of Neil Gaiman talks about we need to find again the art of reading for fun. You know, remember as a kid, you would pick up any book uh, if you were a reader, pick up any book and just read despite how bad it was. And then there was a particular point in your life probably where you said, oh, I realize I can not read something that I've picked up and not finish it. And I think it's, it's putting that on and going, I can read for fun and it's okay. I don't need to read a self-help book. I don't need to read a theology book. I can just pick up a book and read for fun and I can drop it if I feel like it as well. Um, because someone once said, books don't change you, sentences do. And that's why I highlight. It's because I want to pick up things. I even highlight my fiction books because I want to pick up little bits and pieces that I can go, ah, that's, there's a moment there. I was a voracious reader as a kid. So I consumed comic books, for one, loved yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as I said earlier, my mum hated that. She had this idea that was going yeah, to ruin yeah, my yeah. English I love comic books and my literacy. Well. And then at the school library, I think we could borrow maybe four books per week. Yeah. At the local library, we could borrow four books per week. So I was reading eight books per week yeah, and, yeah. and finishing them within two or three days and having to wait a whole week before I could borrow another set of eight books. So I'm just reading, 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 reading. So that was my whole primary school life. Then I get to high school where they had compulsory reading for English. Yes. And I tried to read the set readings and I couldn't. I could never finish them. Yes. And I think that ruined reading for me. Yeah. So one, this idea that here are books I cannot finish. Not because I don't want to finish them, but actually there's not enough time and I don't, I, I don't know what's going on in these books. I'm losing... Yeah. Whatever the story is. Yeah. And as someone explained to me, in high school, the teachers, the English teachers, they're under so much time pressure. They actually, to choose the set reading, they've just given you the can of books they had to read during their yeah. university yeah. BA days. Yeah, yeah. So here we were trying to read undergrad college yes. books when we were in year That's eight. Right. And that just wrecked reading That's for me. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think one of the best things that one of my teachers did was, as a part of the assessment, was that you got to pick this was in year eight, you got to pick a book that you loved and you had to review it. And that was one of the assessments. And that had occurred all throughout the year. So it brought in that love of reading. Um, and I think part of that is, I think, I, I really think parts of the English curriculum ought to change. You know, there should be reading for joy. And whenever you read, read, read a book, you would get that 10% tick, you know? I don't know. Because it, it's so important in life because the less we read, the less we know. It, it, it's what Dr. Zhu says. The more you read, the more you know, the more you know, the more you grow or something like that. Oh, um, totally, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it, it is, it is. It's, it's so sad that um, sometimes we've brought things in a little bit too early and just killed the joy for reading. And so... Um, it's it's trying to understand the maturity level of of the reader and also feeding them things that they will like so what i love to do when i was in english when when i was in um when i was teaching was i would get kids to watch 
videos that they liked on YouTube, but then I would get them to critique it because they already have the skills of critiquing and it's just putting onto the things that they like. And if they can start doing that, then they can move on to critiquing other things that they may not necessarily enjoy that much. And it's developing that, I think. That's amazing, because I remember when I was in high school, maths was easy. Like, they're almost throwing marks at me. Yeah, Because yeah. he's, he's an equation solved. Okay, done. Yeah. Science was easy, because he's yeah. a question, he's the answer. They're throwing yeah, marks at yeah, me. Yeah. English was like, write about this poem. <laughs> write about this novel. <laughs> Yeah. And I didn't know what to say. Yeah. With a poem, I, was, I would say things like, there are eight lines. <laughs> and they rhyme. And they rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about a tree. I don't know what you want from yeah. me. And I think that's one of the crucial problems with the English curriculum is that the method of interpretation is not taught. It's implied. And the method of interpretation is sometimes so wishy-washy that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. What do you write in an English exam that depends on your marker? <laughs> you know, or depends on what will get you the mark. And so when I, when I was teaching, I would go, no, don't do that. That's not the point. Tell me what the author is trying to convey. Don't try and write for the marker. And that's also the same thing with creative writing, right? Um, um, I'm trying to write a novel um, at the moment. And I'm always trying to go, oh, I need to write something that's going to be pleasing to the reader. Which is certainly true because we need to write for our readers. But at the same time, don't just try and pander to the one person. Write what you want to write, you know, enjoy writing, enjoy reading, read what you want to read, and then in there, learn how to uh, enjoy books and writing books. All right, so I often do this for my friends. After I've read my, I, I usually buy five or six books on Kindle, read them, yeah. and then I've got nothing. And then I will text a friend and say, hey, Andrew. What books should I read now? Yeah. And he say, okay, here are three books you should read. Yeah, yeah. So what would you recommend me if I started, um, suddenly texted you, Sam, give me something to read? Well, I would, I would say, tell me about your latest reading list. Tell me about what you want to read and tell me about things that you might not want to read. Wow. So I will reply, I've just re I'm reading Tim Winton's yeah. memoir, Boy yeah. Behind the Curtain. Yeah, yeah. I've just finished his Shepherd's Hut. I have this... Uh, love-hate relationship with Tim Winton, then when I read his stuff, I, I think, <sighs> i got to be really ready for this because he's yeah. just going to take me through an emotional ringer yeah, yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. going to be exhausted yeah, at the yeah, other yeah. end, but it'll be worth the journey. So I have to wait like two or three years before I jump in another yeah, Tim yeah. Winton novel. Just finished any order, Another Ordinary Day by Lee Sales, yes. Australian writer, journalist, yeah, yeah. describing how... Ordinary people begin an ordinary day and some life-changing event will happen to them, like their hostage in the Lint Siege Cafe yeah, or their wow. Stuart driver in a threadbow accident who loses his wife in a landslide accident. Yeah. I think I just finished Malcolm Gladwell talking to strangers. I love Malcolm Gladwell, yes. very accessible. Just a real way of organising seemingly incoherent stories into some coherent idea. And I found that fascinating. 
I just, but my next answer would be, I don't know what I do when I read. I just read other people's reading lists. So it surprised me. Yeah. Well, judging from what you've told me, you're already quite a voracious reader. You're reading widely and you're not only reading uh, one set genre, but you're trying to challenge yourself. But what I'm picking up from there is you're, you, perhaps you're not reading for fun. And judging from mm. what you're telling me before, you wanted you were reading comics before. And so I would recommend you to read a comic. Say, I would say, have you read what Watchmen? I uh, have. You've read Watchmen? But that's probably the last comic oh, book okay. I read. V for like... Vendetta? No. Read V. If you... I saw the movie. Yeah, yeah. Read V for Vendetta. Or I would say something like The Killing Joke. Um, so these are like really top tier um, comic books. But read something for fun. And then I would recommend, I feel like you need a little bit more novel mm. uh, in there. So at the moment, I'm currently reading uh, Xerxes by Madeline Miller, which is about Xerxes, the, um, the ma magician in Homer's Odyssey. But she writes it from a modern perspective. And I love how she picks out isolation. Um, she picks out, because Xerxes is depicted as a very... Um, lonely person who's who's been treat maltreated throughout her years. So there's an interesting, but that's also fun to read. So I'm trying to throw you something fun mm. to read. You don't have any poetry in your diet. I don't understand poetry. <laughs> so what I might do is I'll, I'll recommend. Um, judging from what you're reading, I might say. I'll, I'll give you Felicity by Mary Oliver, which is love poems, but not your ordinary love poems. They're really, really beautiful and very simple, but they're not like, they're not like your A, B, A, B, A, D, A, D kind of poems. They're very, very short, very, very simple. And I think you really, really like them. Um, and then finally for a non-fiction piece, um, uh, there's a, oh, I've forgotten the name, but there's a particular book that I think you will like, um, something asylum, which is talking about psychiatric cases in the Middle East during the, um, uh, the conflict, uh, of, of, uh, the, what do you call it? Uh. The recent conflicts in the Middle East. Let's just call it the Middle East conflict. The, Middle the East Iraqi, Afghani, yeah, yeah, wars. yeah, yeah. So, so a particular psychologist, psychiatrist flew in and um, consulted all these psychiatric cases, which because there were, weren't a lot of doctors there, they they couldn't pick up. And it's it's a really I felt like read hearing from what you like mm. to read. This is a real gut wrencher that will. Um, feed your Tim Winton <laughs> emotional. So you've got something light, something fun, something that you might not read, the poetry, and something that is in your area of doctor, psychiatry, emotion. Wow. See, I feel like I've just been recognized, uh, re recommended a full course meal yeah. by an expert like waiter, you should recommend a drink to go with each oh. novel, shouldn't you? Maybe, wow. maybe like a, is, like a what a great service you have. <laughs> we should ring you up for recommending 
what to read and the drink to go with it. Maybe a lemonade with a with a comic book and a glass of red wine for Xerxes and um, poetry. And you've made reading fun again. Yes, you're right. Ever it since high school, be it's become utilitarian. It needs to be fun. Yeah. What can yeah. I gain from yeah, this? Yeah, How will it yeah. equip me for my yeah, job? Yeah. Well, definitely, I think that's why I highlight my novels. Definitely, we need to come to it and go. I need to get something out of this. But at the same time, we have to go. It's okay if I don't get anything out of this. I, I want to be able to enjoy reading and be transported over and over and over and over again to a magical world. Because it's it's like what... um I think it's Brueggemann who says, when we read narrative, it transports us into a different world with different values. And it confronts us um, in this possible world. And when we come out of it, we go, what did, how did that world confront us? How are we going to live differently? We might not think about it um, consciously, but we're subconsciously doing that. I remember as a kid, when I read Harry Potter, all my creative writings became Harry Potter. But then they were more than that. They became me, Harry, Hermione and Ron, because I wanted a group of friends. And suddenly, I'd, as an only child, I'd, I'd never experienced that kind of siblinghood. And I kind of really attuned to um, Harry, who was an only child as well. And suddenly, I wanted a group of friends as well. And so something as simple as Harry Potter brought me into an experience of friendship that I want in real life. And um, so, yeah. Wow. So, if this time... And I was asked you, your reading list, you've, you've knocked it all off. Your 2020 reading plan, you're ahead of stage, you've got a blank slate in front of you. What are you going to get for yourself now to read? Well, unfortunately, that hasn't happened. But <laughs> um, what will I get myself to read? Well, okay, it's my turn. Let me recommend okay. for you. Have you ever yep. got yourself into Russian novels? Like, no, uh, no. What's his name? <laughs> what's uh, Dostoevsky? Dostoevsky. So yeah, here's my experience with Dostoevsky, yeah. right? So you know I'm not a great reader, but they're big, thick, yeah, penguin yeah, yeah. novels. I had to have an Excel spreadsheet to keep track of the characters. <laughs> of the characters. Because they keep changing right. their names. You know, they have the maternal name, yeah, the paternal yeah, yeah. name. Yeah. And, oh, you go through the whole emotional ringer, but... I found the best ones crime and punishment. Oh yes, yes. I need to read that. And here's my experience with Russian novelists like Chekhov and Dostoevsky. The Americans will always find a happy ending. So an American Hollywood story always begins broken and you think, Oh, okay, he's a single guy, how's he ever gonna get married? He's a poor person, how are they ever become rich? He's a lonely person. How will they ever get friends? Yeah. And at the end, ta-da! Look, he's married, rich and with yeah, friends. Yeah. And he said, well done, Hollywood. I don't know how you did it, but you gave me a happy ending. Yeah, yeah. Russian novels, the opposite. They yes. begin happy, married, rich, yes. with friends, everything. How are they going to get a sad ending out of this? Ta-da! You did it. Yeah. I don't know how you did it, but yeah, now yeah. he's broke, lonely, diseased. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I need to read Crime and Punishment. Um... What else would I eat? Um, I, I really need to read the second novel of um, uh, the uh, the author who wrote The Wandering Earth. Um, but three, the three-body problem, it's, it's a really, really interesting novel. It's a sci-fi set in communist China. So I really need to read that. Um, I'll probably... 
I've been thinking of whether or not to read The Barefoot Investor, um, just because I'm, I'm hopeless in finance. <laughs> um, I'm going to give that book to my kids when they turn 16. Yeah. Because it's too late for me. Because I know all the things he says are true, but you should have done them 30 years ago. And maybe it's the same for you. It's yeah, too yeah, late, maybe. Sam. Oh, maybe it's too late for me. Yeah. And then um, I'll probably buy a poetry book. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, awesome. Um, yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, Sam Wayne, that was great. No, no worries. I hope uh, you enjoy your upcoming reading. I will. Thank you. The more that you read, the more things you will know. The more that you learn, the more places you'll go. That's Dr. Zeus in I Can Read With My Eyes Shut. This has been Espresso and Earl Grey. And if you like what we're doing, subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. We're looking very much to seeing you next time on Espresso and Earl Grey.